Hello, and welcome to the newest episode of the Right Stuff Anime Podcast. I'm Thomas Breckenridge. I'm joined with... I'm Quinn. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And we are back today to finish up our personal top three <laughs> of the last decade. Stressed and underlined. Yes. <laughs> uh, hopefully you joined us uh, for our, uh, our last episode where we went through number four number five of our list and kind of did a brief overview of the last decade of anime. Um, if you haven't checked it out yet, I, I do recommend it. We kind of go a little quickly because there's a lot that's happened uh, in the last decade. But it was a decade. Yes, we <laughs> we tried to highlight some of the uh, you know big stars that happened there and some some stuff that people may have not have heard of. So mm-hmm. please check out the last podcast and you can listen to our four and five. But we know this is probably going to take a little while, um, so we are actually going to just jump right into our top three um because the farther we get the more passionate people are going to get because number one is number one for a reason for everybody so quinn we'll have you start off with your number three of the decade all right so my number three of the decade is mushishi a lot of people really kind of didn't know what to make of it when it first came back out back in 2013 um it's much slower paced it's got a very uh not bright color palette it's it's very mon- mundane and i know that makes it sound exceedingly boring but it's really interesting because the world building uh you've got a main character that for the first few episodes you don't know is the main character because the highlight is all the other supporting cast that are usually there for an episode highlight and um the main character is ginkgo and he travels around in what you can kind of see is like the turn of the century Japan because you've got people wearing kimono, you've got people wearing more western outfits, but they never really define the era he lives in. And he's out searching for mushi, which are kind of a bug slash yokai spirit that varies in forms. They affect people, but people can't see them. They live on a different plane, but they interact with ours. And uh, he does his best to get rid of them or free them from the predicament that they're in, including the people and the Mushi both. And one of the things that I really, really appreciated for this show was the music. I love the soundtrack. I've got all three of them. And uh, if you haven't <coughs> noticed, and if you're one of those people that skip ending credits, don't do that because every single episode has a unique song for the end and it's all instrumental. They're really gorgeous. They're pretty. Love that soundtrack. And I just really liked the uniqueness of the show. That's why I made my top list at number three. So the Mushishi, uh, that is the one that came out in the... Was that a remake of the one that happened in the 2000s? Or was it oh, a continuation? More, no, it's a continuation. Okay. So there's there's a, a few years gap between the original and mm-hmm. then the one that came out. But it's just more of the same stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Ginkgo is featured in it. You get a lot of um, more personable uh, stories in the second mm-hmm. season that unfortunately has not gotten a physical release. It's streaming, yep. but it's at least available to see. And mm-hmm. it's it's like you can't even tell there was this gap between the seasons. Mm-hmm. It just picks up. The animation quality is still this on par. Uh, it's really gorgeous. The mm-hmm. soundtrack's still there. It's it's just like a co- perfect continuation, and I I love it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I never saw the sequel series, but I watched the original um, one that came out in the early 2000s that mm-hmm. Funimation released it. It's a save edition yep. now, and if anybody knows what save edition means, it means it's the last time they're going to release it before mm-hmm. they lose the license. So 
Um, I do recommend that. And as Quinn said, the new series isn't <clears throat> physically being sold, but you can stream it on Crunchyroll. Mm -hmm. um, and then just kind of a cool little thing. If you're a fan of Junji Ito, next year they're doing an adaptation to Uzumaki. The person who did the animation for Mushishi is doing the animation for Uzumaki. Mm -hmm. So nice. it's really cool. Um, yeah, Mushishi had some really awesome choice. Yeah, so, I always like to ask people that are also fans what their favorite episode is mm -hmm. because everyone always gears towards one of the Mushi or not mm -hmm. and what happened to the people. So <laughs> that's always fun to talk about. Yeah, cool. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, Chris, what is your number three? All right, so my number three on this list, um, I had to go with one that personally is one that I enjoy a lot for multiple reasons, and that is One Punch Man. Um, I, as I've mentioned before on the podcast, I used to work at a comic shop, so superhero stuff is always something that's going to be uh, something that draws me in. And that was sort of a, a peak time for superhero series in Japan because we also got My Hero Academia at the same time. But I felt like while My Hero Academia was just a Japanese take on classic American superhero stuff, One Punch Man just brought a much more Japanese flavor to it and also was just much more crazy. And I like strange, insane things. And so instead of just being like, oh, everybody has a quirk and everything's quantifiable and it's straight down the line, you have to go to school. It's just like people pop up, sometimes they have power, sometimes they're just like mutants, sometimes they're robots, and in some case you just get swole. Uh, <laughs> like in the case of Saitama, where he just determines to work out for a year, and then he becomes completely indestructible. <laughs> and just the universe they build is just so silly, they, they don't even bother to name the cities, they're just like City Z, so they all have letters. Um, the heroes that they come up with are just so strange and they make me laugh so much like one of the top ranked heroes is King who just happens to be in the neighborhood whenever a fight's going on or you get Watchdog Man who's just a guy who dresses as a dog <laughs> you get Tank Top Master and his disciples who, who as far as we can tell are just tough guys that wear tank tops Moomin Rider he's the best he's just a guy that rides a bicycle around and just, like, the cool monster designs, because it's not, like, there's not very many just human villains in the show. It's just there's monsters around, and they're gross, and they're nasty, and sometimes you need to punch them into a billion little pieces. And that is something that Saitama excels in. And they just build this weird, quirky universe of characters that uh, just builds upon itself. And I've enjoyed both seasons of the show so far. I know a lot of people were bummed out when they changed studios to the second season, but I still think it was a lot of fun. I loved the little side story where Saitama is just like, I wonder if I'm a good martial artist. Let's put on a wig and find out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just such a ridiculous show, and it, it just made me smile so much. I was so glad to see season two, and I just can't wait for more. Yeah, One Punch Man really kind of just played on a lot of tropes of, like, the history of Shonen. Um, I mean, the arc you were talking about where he puts the wig on is, to me, a total play on the, the Dragon Ball oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. like, arc where they're all fighting uh, like that. And then um, I, I like the first season where they had a villain that literally was Piccolo. Like, you look at him and I'm like, well, that's Piccolo, but he's just purple. Um, but, yeah, they, they kind of, they, they poke fun at a lot of the tropes that have been built. That, mm. like, oh, uh, this villain is stronger than I am. Well, why don't I just go to the next level? And that's what the show is all about, kind of poking fun mm. at it. But also, it's actually a really smart show. Oh, and yeah. it's 
it's really amazing. Like you said, I, I the animation drop was very unfortunate, but I think there's still a really good story there. Um, you just kind of it stinks that they went from good animation to not so good animation, sort of the opposite way. <laughs> but who knows? You know, maybe Madhouse will end up doing the third season at some point. So never know. Cool. So that's One Punch Man. Uh, and that is physically, they do have that for sale. That's in our holiday sale, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So you can pick that up as well. It has streaming quite a few different places, too. Yeah, second season. And for I some reason, you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, you can also just go to YouTube and get hyped over the opening song, which is <laughs> oh, yeah. pretty amazing, even though it's literally just them screaming the name of the show. <laughs> and the second, pretty awesome. the second theme I love almost as much, if not more. It's just mm-hmm. still crazy. Yeah. Just, oh. Cool. So, well, number three. All right. I think it's only appropriate that I count down some of the reasons I like this show, like this <laughs> show before revealing the title. Uh, so, one, the Shonen Hero goes through a lot of significant changes, despite having a great power. Two, the supporting cast is one of my favorites in anime. 50, it's able to showcase the full potential of hand-drawn animation. Well, now we all know who it is. Uh, 99, the first opus- opening is one of nope. the all-time greats. 99.9, the second opening might be even this. better. I don't know what it is. Uh, I can guess. It's Mob Psycho 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the opening theme is literally a countdown to... Well, I'll let Will explain. This is yeah. his number three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, I thought it was very clever. <laughs> so for uh, so Mob Psycho 100, it's about this guy whose name is Mob, and he is what's called an esper. So basically he's got like these various psychic powers and is able to battle a bit different spirits and demons that are looking around in the world. And the 100 comes from the fact that he has like a... What I would call like a meter, where he has pent up, where he's able to pent up his emotions, and when that meter reaches 100, he goes into like absolute berserk mode. He becomes like an absolute god, and but like the god power is also super destructive, and he can barely, it's not able to control it at all. Mm-hmm. But what I really like about the show is not really about the powers, but really about like the about the characters. Of mob is just a real, I don't I don't know if antithesis is the right word, but like he's he faces a lot more challenges than a typical shonen shonen protagonist. Uh, whenever like a protagonist is able to get like OP powers, a lot of things just kind of come to him, and he's just able to like pretty much get whatever he wants. But here, mob is really hates his powers because while he's able to do all these cool things. That doesn't mean he's going to be able to get any of the girls he he wants to date or has friends like the ones that he wants to have because in all reality, he's kind of a loser <laughs> at the start of the show. So really the show is about him improving upon himself and just trying to be who he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of other ca- characters in the show who are espers that really define themselves based on the amazing powers they have. But they don't realize just how much they're missing from like the from just like trying to live the life that they would that they would want to do outside of their powers, and I think that's what makes Mob such an interesting protagonist for me. Uh, but really, it's like the supporting cast is fantastic. Uh, he partners up with this quote unquote Esper named Reagan, who runs a bit of a like I would guess that you would call it like a ghost busting agency. 
But the thing is, he has no Esper powers. He's just able to con his way yeah, through various various things. Like sometimes, like sometimes, uh, like one time a customer comes in with a photo and he's like, "Look at this spirit that's on my face," and it's really just a mole. But he's like, "All right, I can take care of this." Yeah. So he goes into Photoshop and uses one of his special Photoshop, quote unquote, moves, special moves, to delete them all from the picture and <laughs> and get rid of the spirits. Yeah. No, I, I, I've. Have you seen both seasons? Yeah. Okay. I really like his character development, like as the show goes on too. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I, I liked the first season, but I absolutely loved the second season. Like I couldn't believe how much the second season improved on the first season, especially uh, there is a giant battle at the end of the second season, and the animation for it is just absolutely out of this world. Oh yeah. So. Oh, yeah, I just love how they're able to animate the camera. Like yeah. a lot of a lot of action sh action shows kind of like to keep keep their framing still whenever mm -hmm. action happens, but this one, but this show is able to like quote unquote move the camera around in real time. Mm -hmm. It's super super interesting to watch. Yeah, that's funny. So we have two people that have uh, uh, a show created by one, like One Punch <laughs> Man and yep. Mob yep. Psycho. And both of these started off as web comics too. Oh yeah. So just the fact that like you know One Punch Man ended up getting found, and then he ended up teaming up with I think Murata was his name, the yeah. animator. He did the Ice Shield. Yeah, he did Ice oh, Shield twenty. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. So that. yeah, so he like partnered with him. So he did all the stuff. But like one's got really really good stories, and I apologize to Chris here, but I like One Punch Man, <laughs> but Mob Psycho. Is for no reason like whatsoever. Like when I first saw the animation, I read the story. I'm like, this is gonna be stupid. <laughs> and then, like, especially when I got to the second season, I'm like, I can't believe how good and deep this show actually <laughs> is, and how well these characters are written. And then um, <laughs> that's why I like. And I, I think the my re, like for One Punch Man season two, it's just like I want some of that mob psycho like character like analysis in this. That's awesome. So. Yeah, yeah, I like how One Punch Man has a more negative side of looking mm -hmm. at superpowers, but mm -hmm. Psycho but Mob is more optimistic about it. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and there's a lot of people that really like Mob's character because he does have a lot of like, like I don't know what you call it, quirks or like socially like he's he's not the best socially mm -hmm. person. He's socially awkward. Yes, yeah, yeah. and like that kind of shows with certain character interactions he has, especially with the, I can't remember what the name of the girl is, that oh, eventually... Yeah, he gets his tries. He, he never actually meets her. I don't yeah. think he meets her. It, Spoilers. But you, <laughs> yeah, but you, you feel bad for him, but, like, yeah. it's just, you can put yourself into his shoes and stuff like that. And it's, like, with, like, uh, One Punch Man, like, Saitama, it's, like, you can't really relate to him because uh, you're not, like, super overpowered, <laughs> yeah. but Mob Psycho, there's a lot there to kind of attach yourself to, so... No, Mob Psycho is awesome. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. So my number three, uh, I had to put one Genurubuchi show on here, uh, and it's not Madoka Magica. It's Fate Zero. Um, so I really don't want to get into like the whole story of Fate because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have I don't have a whole podcast to do it. <laughs> so uh, I'll just say that Fate Zero is basically the prequel series to Fate Stay Night, which Fate Stay Night has three different storylines. Um, I'm not going to get into that, but there's three different storylines <laughs> to Fate Stay Night, depending on which one you watch. Um, but Fate uh, Fate Zero is that prequel to the story of everything that leads to what happens at Fate Stay Night. Um, I saw the original Fate Stay in the 2000s, and I 
did not like it. The animation was bad. Uh, the characters were just, to me, I couldn't really get any connection to it. So when Fate Zero first came out, I had absolutely no reason to watch it. Um, and it, it came out in 2011. But eventually, um, I started seeing people post like, oh my god, did you see the Saber versus Lancer fight? Um, blah, blah, blah. And then I, like, I saw some clips on YouTube. I'm like, wow, the animation for this. I've never seen anything like this for an anime. And so I went and I watched an episode where there was a, one of the big battles. Like it was the Saber versus Lancer fight in like the abandoned like construction site. And it is just actually blew me away. I was like, oh, so there's cool fights and stuff. So I was like, I'll watch the first episode. The first episode almost completely deterred me off of it because it's an hour of exposition. There's a literal <laughs> scene in it where there is three people in a room and one guy is basically explaining the entire story of fate to these people while walking around them in like a very comical B-movie style thing. Like, well, you see, the Holy Grail is blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I can't believe they're actually going through with this. But okay. So I almost didn't watch it after that. I was like, I'm just going to watch the fight highlights. And then uh, I got into a couple more episodes, and then I the character development uh, was absolutely amazing. I think almost every character in this is interesting and, like, I don't think there's a character you could take out and it wouldn't affect the story. Um, I mean, the my current favorite group in there is you have masters and servants. The masters are the ones that summon the servants to do the fight to win the Holy Grail. Um, is Waver and Alexander. And there is a really amazing episode. Um, I think it's episode either 10 or 11. It's before they go to fight Bluebeard, um, who is the caster character where it's literally an episode where Alexander, uh, or uh, he's basically the most bro servant you've ever met in your life. <laughs> like, if you think of, like, the guy who comes to, like, the party just ran out of beer, and, like, everybody is, like, super sad, and Alexander is the guy that comes in with a keg on his shoulder and goes, like, it's all right, everybody, I got this. <laughs> and, um, but his character completely works, and um, Alexander goes to uh, where Saber is with her master, and basically brings a big thing of wine and goes, um, I don't want to fight you. Um, I'm wondering if through discussion we can find out who deserves the Holy Grail. And he, him, Saber, and Gilgamesh um, basically sit down and they go over their philosophies of what it is to be a king. And it is like one of my like all-time favorite scenes in anime. Uh, Gilgamesh, you find, is very much vanity. Like, he measures... A king can be measured by how much stuff he's acquired. Like, he talks about how, like... We have that figure on the site right now with that giant... Giant thing, oh, yes. Yeah, yes. He is totally the king of vanity. And, like, he talks about, like, I... The Holy Grail is mine because I am the greatest king. I own everything. And then he literally even says, yeah, I have, I have this giant thing filled with items. Um, and I don't even know if, uh, like what I have and what I don't because I've just collected so much stuff. <laughs> so he's literally just the most vain person in the world. And then Saber uh, talks about what it is to be a king is to be completely selfless and do what's right for the like do what's right for the kingdom. And uh, Alexander's philosophy is the idea of like glory. Like you being a great king makes the people who follow you great. And like um, Alexander really breaks down Saber's kind of idea. And up until that point you're like oh Saber you know it was a good king and stuff like that. But, like, you find that through her logic, she has let thousands of people die and stuff like that, all for the glory of Britain. And Alexander, like, 
even though when he died, like all of his people, like still had that flame still burning from how much they looked up to and loved Alexander. And it's just a really interesting conversation. Like through all this amazing fighting and character development, like you learn so much about the philosophy of these characters just sitting around drinking wine and getting drunk. <laughs> and then it all gets thrown to the side when one of the the assassin shows up. But it ends with a cool scene where all the uh, how would I say it? The servants have like an ultimate move, I guess you would say, where it take it has part to do with their history. Like Saber is like uh, actually summoning uh, her sword um, Excalibur, and it just doing like devastating damage. Well, Alexander's ability is to take people into a reality marble that takes them back to the time that he was from. And every army that was under his control appears and basically completely devastates the enemy. <laughs> and it's in that scene that you kind of see, like, why everybody followed Alexander, like, the great, and absolutely loved this guy. Like, you see in their eyes and the way they act. Um, and then, like, the assassins, like, they're there and they're just like, well, we're completely so it's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, but really <laughs> screwed, I should say, um, because it's ten assassins and uh, an army of, like, millions. But, um, no, it's actually great. Um, and, I mean, there is, uh, you know, there is the main character, Saber, and Kitsuru are kind of the main story, and his story is really good, too. You absolutely hate the, I guess you would call him the protagonist, all the way until about the end of the show, until it explains why he is doing what he is and why he, he is hunting down these rogue uh, magi because these magi, they get all this power. They do terrible things. Um, his village, uh, one of the magi there, which you end up finding out is his father, uh, start turning everybody to vampires and they all get completely destroyed and all these other events. And then he gets saved by this group that basically hunt rogue magi. And it kind of explains his whole idea. And then his, like, you know, the villain, he fights the priest. Um, he basically doesn't feel anything like he has no emotion he finds out so he's wondering like if he like fights for this grail um if he's gonna have some sort of emotion so my my explaining is probably just like well this show just sounds like an action like packed like mess but it <laughs> works so well i like i there will never be anything fate good as fate zero was <laughs> and That's like next subtitle fate good yeah and even like there's a there's a free there's a villain in there to the caster uh who is bluebeard who is this terrible person who kills like children and was like a very terrible person and he gets summoned by a guy named i think is runusuke is his name uh who was a serial killer and, like, so you have a serial killer who has a servant that was also a serial killer. <laughs> and they're absolutely terrible human beings. <laughs> and then his thing, the creature he summons is Cthulhu, which makes <laughs> complete right. sense. Yeah. And, yeah, and like I said, and then you go back and you watch Fate Stay Night, and you're just kind of like, I want more Fate Zero. <laughs> so that's me gushing over Fate Zero. That's my number three. I, I, if you watch one fate thing in your life, please watch Fate Zero. <laughs> <laughs> Even though there's hundreds of different fates at this point. I lost so, track. Yeah. All right, Quinn, you will start us off for number two. I don't know if I can follow up your number three. <laughs> 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 okay, so for uh, my number two pick, and I want to reiterate that my list was picked on the more niche shows, so if it's something that was very large scale that everybody knows, I kind of ignored it. 
However, keep in mind that back in 2013, this was the sports show that kind of sent the sports genre into a bigger audience. So Haikyuu is my number two pick. I was going to say Slam Dunk. I'm no. Just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Haikyuu is amazing. Haikyuu was that sports show where people were like, ah, it's a sports show. I don't need to learn about volleyball. Yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> but the people that started watching it loved the characters and loved the message of working together and how you can overcome your own flaws with help from your friends. And it had such a deep story that it was more about the boys than it was about the sport they played. Mm. And I think that it really catapulted a lot of people into the sports genre. And then like in 27, no wait, 2018, we got shows like Run With The Wind that did the exact same thing where the characters were the focus of the show instead of the sports itself. And you still get that sports show where it's like, oh yeah, we're just playing rugby. Okay, that's fun. Yeah, that's a talented kid or whatever. <laughs> you know, you still get some of those, but Haikyuu is still going strong. We've got the fourth season coming out next year. And the way they explain the, the game to people who don't know it, they integrate it just perfectly with the story, so you don't feel like you're being told a lesson about how, mm. oh, this is how you play volleyball, and this is what this term means. You just have these guys who are playing volleyball, and you get so into it with them. Um, the first two seasons when I was watching it, I hadn't read the manga yet, and I would literally go back and watch the previous episode before the new episode got released, that day, the same day, just so I could get that build up, because they were great at just cutting off yep. the end of the episode and making you go, no! I didn't know what happens! <laughs> uh, but like the interactions between all the guys on the team is really good, too. Um, they've each got their own specialty, and it's not like anybody is overpowered. You don't have that one kid who is like super-duper extra cool and just is awesome, and everybody bows mm. down to him. You do have the extra-talented kid, but he's got a terrible personality, so all of them kind of put up with Kagayama. And then you've got Hinata, who's <laughs> like this... Not anybody out or anything. Oh, we're, we're shouting out a lot of them. Um, and then you've got Hinata, who's like this bundle of energy, who everyone's like, you're short. Why are you playing volleyball? You must be a Libro. And he gets offended and is always like, no. And him and Kagayama start out as rivals. Like, the first episode is them in middle school. Mm. And I think that turned off a lot of people right off the get-go, and everyone who got past that was like, no. That's the setup. It's mm. all set up. You've got to keep going. And once you get the other characters in there, you've got um, Yamaguchi and Tsukishima, which are my favorite duo. Uh, Yamaguchi is the underdog of the underdogs. And a lot of people are like, he doesn't even do anything. Why is he your favorite? Just keep watching because he eventually comes into his own and helps out the team in a way that he's able to, which I love that message of, you know, you want to help support your friends, but you physically can't do what they're doing. So you have to find your own way to be a support and not just slack off. All of them pull their weight. And then you've got the sideliners who are kind of turn into bench warmers, but you eventually realize that, hey, one of them is gonna be the captain next year because your third years are gonna graduate. And then I forgot his name, but he, he really comes into his own, I think by like the third season. So it's a whole bunch of character interactions built around a sport and not because of the sport. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, it catapulted so much of fandom into a sports genre where before I think the majority of us were all like, yay, sports ball. So I have Haikyuu as my two pick. No, uh, Haikyuu is amazing and it speaks uh -huh. to a lot that there is another season coming out and that'll be season four. Season four. Yes, and the show has never went down in quality. Nope. Um, it still finds ways to be exciting. 
uh, and like put you on the edge of your seat. Mm-hmm. The thing I've always loved about it too is it doesn't fall into that trope of sports things where you'll have an entire. I can't remember which one it was. If it was either Big Windup or one of the baseball ones, where almost an entire season was one game. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Probably, that no. sounds like yeah. And high IQ is like a season will be like oh, a couple like a different tournament. tournaments. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So it's there's the like thing. there's a lot going on. So it's not mm-hmm. like you're you're stuck on like this. Like there's not gonna be a scene where he's about to spike it and then there's like an introspective of like how he's gotten to this oh, point. Gotcha. And it's yeah, a yeah. full episode of like, this no. is how he finally got to this point. Is he gonna spike it or not? And it's like, <laughs> just get to spiking the ball. <laughs> <laughs> and one other thing with IQ too is that like, there are so many rival teams that they play. Mm-hmm. Like, And they get into the characters from the yeah. rival teams too. And they all have their own mm-hmm. backstories. They have their own thing. And like the guys from, um, they go to a training camp with mm-hmm. some of these teams, so mm-hmm. you have a chance to watch them practice and develop while learning about the other characters mm-hmm. who ultimately will be their competition on the court on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. it, it's his main character is falling out. Uh, I can't think of his name. Redhead. That's not a Hinata. Uh, I also liked. Uh, you can tell I haven't watched the show in quite some time, <laughs> um, but his that him, them showing how he got to where he is because. When he he loves he loves volleyball, mm-hmm. but he's not good at it, and it literally shows him like his hand swelling up from oh, just yeah. hitting he's it over it so and over and over. Him like always continuously running, him working harder than anybody else just to be as good as somebody who is naturally talented. Mm-hmm. There is no uh, as somebody who like I played a lot of sports in high school. Uh, that wasn't really like su- ever super talented in anything like that. The showing of how much he has to work to just to get to the level of somebody who was naturally talented is so real to me, mm-hmm. and I think is like a really cool thing that they put into the show. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So high IQ, number two wins. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris. Uh, Chris, number two. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> All right. So I think it's time to swerve you folks because I've been putting a lot of action folks or action shows and things like that in here so far. So uh, for number two, let's just do a little bit of a like very thoughtful slice of life stuff in here. Uh, my number two pick for the decade was actually a silent voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just saw this one about a month and a half ago and it really resonated with me. If you're unfamiliar with the story, it revolves around a group of middle school kids who have a, uh, a deaf girl join their class. And she's super nice and super happy and really wants to integrate. But the lead character and his friends just completely reject her and haze her and bully her to the point where she has to transfer away from school. Like they're throwing her hearing aids into the lake and ruining them, costing her family thousands of yen. And eventually they pick the story up a few years later and the lead character feels a great deal of remorse for what he did. So he actually reconnects with her and their whole group of friends sort of rebuilds from there, and it's interesting to see the dynamics. Um, it struck me personally because uh, it's something you still see nowadays in middle school and things like that. Like when I was in middle school, I honestly, I felt, I still feel terrible about it. I kind of bullied a few kids, not a lot, but there were one or two that like my friends would make fun of, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's comedy, and I, it still haunts me to this day. And knowing that he like wanted to become a better person 
and went through with it in the storyline, I think, is a big deal. It resonates me, with me as a big tale about emotional maturity, uh, wanting to be a better person, and uh, learning to forgive for horrible things that you've done in the past. But it also has some interesting artistic touches in it, too, because as he's grown up, he's locked just about everybody out of his life. And so they represent that by having, when he's in his, his, uh, his high school years, just about every other person just has this big blue X over their face because he's not even registering them as a person, just more like a, a group of stimuli that's interacting with him every now and then. And as he tries to redeem himself, he opens himself up more and not only becomes more mature as far as like understanding people with other capabilities or lack of abilities, he's just becoming more empathic and he grows as a person. And it's interesting to see him grow and watch his circle of friends grow or not grow at different rates too. It's just a really fascinating psychological study of the, uh, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the aftermath of bullying and how awful it is and how it's just sometimes you just have to strive your hardest to be a better person. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just a really inspiring tale. It's really beautifully told. The music in there is really good. The soundtrack's awesome. So just all in all, it's just such a touching movie. Mm-hmm. It just struck me very hard. I think one of the things, cool. too, is that the main character, after he bullies the deaf girl, which I'm blanking on all their names. Exactly. Same. <laughs> yeah. um, he turns around and gets bullied, too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he, he feels both sides of it. Mm-hmm. So you can relate to him prior or after and, and her as well. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just got so many levels, like you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, um, I mean, I'm going to completely admit I have not watched the movie of this, but I've read the manga. You need to watch the movie. I know, I need to watch the movie. You're going to need um, Kleenex. But, um, I mean, I need Kleenex for the, the manga. I know, but <laughs> the music in this, like, just um, puts it over the top. Yeah, no, I, I do want to see it. It was one of those weird things mm-hmm. that when everybody was talking about it, it wasn't here in America. And it took such a long <sighs> delay that by the time it finally came out, it just wasn't in my wheelhouse mm-hmm. anymore. Um... But no, like the the manga is uh, amazing, and I just want to like kind of throw out there the creator of uh, Silent Voice is doing a manga right now that is really amazing called Two Year Eternity, mm-hmm. and if that ever gets an adaptation, that's uh, gonna be great. But um, yeah, Silent Voice, it we need more high school style, you know, middle school high school stuff that actually deals with serious, you know issues like bullying and stuff like mm-hmm. that because we get so many of those carefree like does he like me does he mean yeah. not like me yeah and this doesn't really it was you know, a heavy hitter yes yeah. it, it was real it's yeah. like let's deal with the consequences of bullying um mm-hmm. and i mean like it even gets into like some of the drama of like you know like parent like relationships with parents and stuff like oh, that yeah. Oh, yeah. and yeah. i just i just thought it was really really good so yeah mm-hmm. i i will watch it i promise i own it <laughs> it's in the plastic <laughs> Um, but yeah, and the sad thing is, I listen to the soundtrack. You said the soundtrack. Mm. I listen to the soundtrack on Spotify all the time, mm. um, and uh, I purchased the vinyl that we carry for a Silent Voice too because it is so beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, it was a really good choice. Mm-hmm. Silent Voice number two from Chris. Will, what is your number two? All right, for me, uh, it's got to be Ping Pong the animation. Oh. I am a big fan of Masaki Yuasa, and I feel like. Nah. Like he ended up uh, directing this show, and I just ended up falling falling in love with it. Uh, it's gonna it's not for everybody just because of the art style. The art style is a lot uh, realistic, 
realistic and, and so someone like the flat coloring can make things look a little weird but mm. I think it's alright I mean it's able to be both grounded and impressionistic at the same time because of that which is something that I, I really enjoyed uh, but really what drew me in was this kind of, was uh, was the story and just how just how realistic it was and how much they were able to cover in only 11 episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, this is about ping pong. Ping pong's not the most exciting sport in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and the show, it doesn't say that, but it recognizes that. So it, it focuses more on, like, the, the personal battles that each individual character is going through. And it doesn't matter if it's, this, if it's the main duo of Pico and Smile... Or if it's the rival, or it's the rival high school, rival high school players, the, everybody gets their own time to shine, and you really get to know the characters as people, and more importantly, how sport is a, it affects them and changes them. And I feel like it's one of the best anime to convey sports, how it changes people, and just what makes sports so great in the first place. And it's in a way that I don't think a lot of anime has done. Especially mm-hmm. in the presentation, because there are some times where it'll actually try like recreate like quote unquote a manga pan a manga page. Mm-hmm. So like it'll be like so it'll start off as like a full image, and then like an action will be done. And it'll superimpose on like a part of it that looks like a that looks like a panel, and it does that a few times before eventually the whole front, the whole screen is just filled with these panels. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be a really interesting and really interesting. Uh, I guess you would say trick that you also that you yeah. also used and these are very like if there was an art house director for anime <laughs> an avant-garde style director Yuasa is that um, the thing I wish more people would watch ping pong I actually if you've ever seen ping pong in a sale like a mega deal that was because of me because I <laughs> that was me trying to push people to watch it because so many people I read the, like oh it was just so ugly I couldn't get past the animation and like the story and the characters are yeah. so good but like for me I really like that like difference like I don't like samey I don't like seeing like every character looking like the same shonen characters mm-hmm. I like I like things to be stylized I like things to be different and you also if you th- look at all of the stuff you also did Devil May Cry Baby uh, Tatami Galaxy ping pong Lou over the wall it is all so very different yeah. and i that's just what's so cool about what he does um yeah and every anytime i see his name attached to a project i'm like this is probably going to be bizarre and crazy but it's going to be very very good so mm-hmm. yeah well awesome choice with ping pong um so my number two so i kind of noticed when I got to this point, the the happiest thing on my list is blood, blood blockade battlefront. <laughs> everything else is very everything is very depressing and sad. Which is kind of funny because I actually think of myself as a very optimistic person, but um, I do I always do like the the kind of dystopian stuff. Um, and to me, uh, other than my number one, there's nothing more dystopian that came out in the last ten years than uh, from the New World, Shinseki Yori. Um, the the basic premise of this one is the show opens with basically it's just a normal day in like our time and all of a sudden people basically almost start just exploding or being killed and they don't know why and what happened is humans evolve certain humans evolve and they get these psychokinetic abilities that basically they're able to manipulate things with their thoughts like 
think Children uh, Children of the Corn. No, mm-hmm. Village of the Damned. Oh, uh, yeah, Village of the Damned, Children of the Corn, that kind of style of stuff. That, um, and it's all younger people. So all these people start dying, and then it literally cuts off like with everything in just complete chaos. Like everything's like uh, like it's po- it's like apocalyptic, and then it's like a thousand years later, and like it's almost everything is reverted to a world where like they're living on like farmlands and everything's like almost gone back in time like there's no like you know technology like you know smartphones computers and stuff like everything is very basic everything their society is very closed off um and basically what's happened is uh the first the episode kind of uh introduces uh saki is the main girl throughout the show um it starts with her kind of being an adolescent and when they come to a certain age they're able to start getting these like kinetic abilities and the schools train them to use them um by training them it allows them to control them so they don't go crazy like they did like a thousand years ago um and but everything it tries to make it seem like everything is fine like the pays her parents are loving everything's fine but there's this underlying feeling that something is being hidden and you never just quite know what it is. And it takes a couple episodes to kind of open it up. There is urban legends in it that talk about how children will disappear for no reason. You kind of find out the connection to the children disappearing has to do with the ones that aren't really able to control their power through the training. Um, what ends up happening that they kind of hint at later is if somebody's not able to control it, they basically rage out. And when they rage out, they turn into like this kind of beastly like entity and basically just kind of go on a rampage on everybody. Um, and I think, and what you find out is before they can get to that point, um, they take these children and they kind of get rid of them. Um, and the urban legend they kind of tell is they always, you always see this cat-like creature moments before the, you're taken and never heard from again. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this like really regret, like regressed, like society with like a culture of feel fear and like i kind of see like parts of that in like growing in our like you know the way that our world is going now too um it's always this really underlying feeling of melancholy that's kind of going on with this whole story um but eventually the kids do what kids do they leave the society um and they go on like camping trips and stuff like that and they don't do what they're supposed to and they end up finding this group of they're basically more rats but they can speak human and they're the part of the show that you kind of see that they're very much our society. Like there's different groups of mole rats. Um, some are like more human-like. Some are very much like mole rats. Um, they're all kind of smart. Uh, they go to war with each other. Is it, It's very reminiscent of our society. And this, but they worship the, the, the characters that live in the society that have the psychokinetic abilities. So something had, has, has happened in this a thousand years where why did these mole rats like get the ability to learn English and be able to speak and stuff like that? And, you know, why are they so close to this society? Why do they, they do all this stuff that we ask them to do? I don't want to say that, that, that they're the, the slaves to them, but there's a huge fear there. Um, the whole story is narrated by Saki in the future. So you can kind of tell that she lives on to be older because she talks like things like, oh, this happened like 20 years, like 10, 15 years ago. So you know she's an adult. Um, and it seems like a lot of the adults that you meet in the show, like they, 
they're all kind of run down by like something that happens. Um, I really don't want to ruin this show mm. for anybody, so I'm not going to get into spoilers because I really do want you to watch it. But the re- the last couple episodes of the reveals of what happens to um, you find out the mole rats a certain event happened to them, and they're they're actually a certain part of the overall story. And when you figure out who and what they are, it kind of it blew me away. Um, and then there's revolts that happen with the mole rats too that involves these people, the people of the village. Um, it's it's so very dark, but so very beautiful. The animation is amazing. There's a couple episodes where the animation kind of falls off, and it's really weird where like you'll see them in a distance running, and like the background's really pretty, but it's almost like the characters are off animation, and it's like the arm just start moving without the body moving, <laughs> and like I don't know what happened. It might have been a money issue, and that kind of was distracting. But other than that, this is such a great story. I believe it's like 24 episodes, and yeah. it goes by so unbelievably fast, and when you're you get to the end of it um you're you're pretty devastated by everything that happened like i don't want to say like things continue to chug on like they did at the beginning of the show but very much so things just continue to chug on and it's kind of like so she's older now and she has a realization of everything that's been happening and the reason why things are and they just still continue to just go on and then it just kind of hit me like well, we learn from our history. We have committed the same atrocities. We've committed the same acts, uh, terrible things. And we tend to go back to them, you know, again, after hundreds of years. Like, we haven't learned anything. And then I, I kind of got that was the message of the show. Like, are we ever really learning anything? Mm-hmm. So, has anybody here ever seen it? I no, watched no. it a long time okay. ago. I, I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember <laughs> the rats. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I think I know what the spoiler ending was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. <laughs> I do recommend everybody catch it. It is still streaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, We've got the manga in the sale too. Yep, the manga. The only reason I won't recommend the manga is Next. it's very fan servicey. Uh, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it's that way. like <laughs> there is a lot of romance in there. I mean, these are teenagers, mm-hmm. but I think everything <clears> that happens <throat> in the show is done very like tastefully. But like the manga, <clears throat> like. Like, I would never recommend the, the manga for Grimgar of the Fantasy and Ash because it's just, like, it's oh, very... Oh, that's only three volumes, though. Yeah. That's not fair. Very fan... Uh, very fan service too. <laughs> if you haven't been able to tell, I'm not a huge fan of fan service. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, uh, from the New World, Shinseki Yori. Uh, in our sale, Sentai, it's pretty cheap. Just mm-hmm. pick it up. Um, and, yeah, you can stream it, too, for free. But please, please give it a chance. Mm. So... That gets everybody to our number ones. Drumroll rolls. So this is our favorite thing of the last decade, and Quinn is going to start us off. Yeah, and I'm breaking my own rule with this one, too. (laughs) So, yeah, niche shows, but this one was uh, the masses brought it to me because I thought it sounded stupid. Um, I shunned it for the longest time, and I finally said, fine, fine masses that can continuously sing praises about this show. I'll check it out and see what it's all about. And I did, and oh my gosh, it's so good. So my number one pick is Assassination Classroom. Because kids in a school being taught how to assassinate their own teacher who is a giant yellow octopus alien guy. Come on now. (laughs) Why why does that sound like a logical plot line? So yeah, I, I tuned in and immediately I really was drawn to Nagisa, which is the main character, because he's 
part of this class 3E that is just the lowest of the low. They are banished to their own school off of the main private grounds, and it's the, the reject class is pretty much all they are. And um, their new teacher shows up, and he's a giant yellow octopus wearing, <laughs> like, a graduate outfit with the whole hat and tassel and everything. And it's like, um, okay. And Kuro-sensei is tasked to teach them all the stuff they're supposed to learn in a normal school plus the art of assassination mm-hmm. and that they're going to use to kill him. So constantly throughout these episodes, he's constantly being challenged by the kids who are trying to kill him, most of them very badly unsuccessful. <laughs> and as it continues to go, uh, the kids all, you, you learn about all of them. Um, Nagisa and his friend, who I'm blanking, he's the redhead. Karma? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Karma. yeah. Yep. They, they get... The <laughs> hey, it works. Yeah, I've, you know. Yeah, so it's like, you know, they have a really great relationship, and they play off of each other really well. You get to know about the other characters in the class, and some of them have deeper backstories as well. And Nagisa just... I love the fact that it's ambiguous if he's a girl or a guy for the first few episodes, and mm-hmm. they finally have the equivalent of a beach episode of the river off in the back. And they, they literally are like, Nagisa, I didn't know you were a guy. <laughs> he's wearing shorts, and I just love that because I'm like, thank you. I've been wondering. But they explain more about why he looks more androgynous mm-hmm. than um, you usually get in a, an anime. And I just really enjoyed the overall craziness of the plot and love that it still made sense in its own world. There's a twist that comes up at the end that's just like, whoa, did not see that coming. And I love the character progression. I also really appreciated the fact that the manga was wrapping up as the anime was getting produced. So the ending of the manga is the ending of the anime. It's not crazy, let's go make our own thing. It is not, oh, we're just gonna end it here, sorry. It finishes, and it finishes beautifully, and I'm glad the masses kept chirping about this, because I would have never watched it on my own. Mm -hmm. So, Assassination Classroom takes my first pick. I... Here comes the negative. Be ready for it. Here's why your favorite thing This is in my my top 25, too. I absolutely loved the way that Kokoro-sensei... loves every one of these kids. Oh, yeah. And yes. I didn't realize it until the end of the show. Yeah, like, you don't realize how much this teacher affected everybody mm-hmm. until you get to the end of the show when a certain event happens. But, like, he cares about every single one of them. Like, the the things he does for them and stuff like mm-hmm. that. He genuinely absolutely loves and cares about these kids. And when you kind of figure out who Kokoro-sensei really is, it's kind of mind-blowing <laughs> yeah, that he is such, like, he is the most caring individual in this whole damn show. But, like, once you... <laughs> his backstory, huh? Yeah, his backstory would not reveal that idea yeah. um and even the the teachers that kind of help too like mm-hmm. each one of them oh, is yeah, interesting yeah. Mm-hmm. uh i can't remember what the female with the very fan service yeah she's the fan yeah. service mode but like mm-hmm. to me i completely forgive that because mm-hmm. she is like all about like i'm gonna use my feminine wow oh, to yeah. get what i want well. like it's very fujiko mine kind of yeah. style <laughs> there um but no and like this show knew when to end it didn't like stay like it wasn't like even the manga too knew when to end. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a hundred volumes or anything like crazy like that. Like it had a story to tell. It hit all the points that it was supposed to hit, mm-hmm. and it got to an extremely satisfying ending. And like even when you get to the ending, and like 
I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say there's a time jump that shows what happens to the kids when yeah. they get older. Mm-hmm. Which but is like, nice to have that. Yeah, it's closure. It's, I really enjoyed it. It's mm-hmm. really cool to see how the kids, who they were, influenced, and what the teacher did influenced mm-hmm. what careers they went into. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, it was, like, yeah. a very... The ending, the assassination classroom is so damn good. It is. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it is so is. Oh, man. So it is good. so hard for, like, it is a Shonen series. <laughs> it is so hard for Shonen series to hit the hit the mark at an end. Like, yeah. sometimes you're just like, end it. It needs to be over. Like, Naruto mm-hmm. or Bleach or anything. But assassination classroom <laughs> was just, like, perfect from start to ending. Mm-hmm. Demon Slayer, I think, is very close to being that, too. And I think that's why so many, like, I've enjoyed it as much. But, like, I'm seeing it kind of hit those points, too, mm-hmm. where this the author has a story to tell we're going to tell it we're going to hit what we need to and we're not going to stick around any longer than we need to so and and koro sensei always made me go that's the teacher that the kids are always going to remember that is the teacher you always wanted to say you had if you never did unfortunately i "Ah." you remember all the good points of your favorite teachers in kokoro sensei Mm -hmm. um he's just such a well-written character, creature, alien, monster yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> who does cool things and changes all those colors mm-hmm. on the covers of the manga, if you're wondering what the heck's up with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, cool. So, Assassination Classroom number one from Quinn. Woo. Chris, what is your number one pick? So, I find funny. You actually just named it a few seconds ago. <laughs> um, kind of timed out with when I started working here, because, I mean, I've always been a big anime fan, but not, like, super hardcore. I, I'll go in and out, like, with a lot of different hobbies. And I started working here back in about end of February, start of March. And this is about when the show started. And obviously it's still very much a work in progress, but it is one that hooked me really hard. And so, yeah, my number one for the decade is uh, Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba. It just, to me, feels like it is like everything you want in a shonen anime just boiled down to perfection. It's got a great balance of lightness and darkness in it. The show starts off very tragically with uh, Tanjiro and Nezuko's family being slaughtered and Nezuko being transformed into a demon. Uh, but also, like it, he struggles to pick himself up, but he knows what he has to do. and He puts in the work. <laughs> they, they point out all the time that his hands, he's got old man hands that are so weathered because he's just working so hard to perfect using the sword and becoming a better person so he can regain his sister's humanhood and avenge his family. But also, at the same time, like, he's had this darkness, but then you also get Inosuke and Zenitsu, who are two of the most goofball, sidekick characters you could possibly get. I have a love-hate relationship with them. Yep. Like, you've got Inosuke, who just pretty much grew up in the wild and just wears a boar's head all the time, and turns out he's gorgeous when you take the mask off. Isn't that creepy? Wow. And and then you've got Zenitsu, who is just whining the whole time until he just puts himself catatonic and when he goes catatonic is when he's the most badass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He just wrecks stuff to the point where it's just like, oh man, this kid's unstoppable if he could ever get over himself. <laughs> but it just does so much cool stuff. It's a great integration. Um, I, what I also like is it takes what feels like a very realistic point in Japanese history and mm. folds this whole demonic storyline into it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Where you're just almost like, oh wait, that didn't really happen? So it, it feels like like Meiji Restorationist sign kind of Japan, where it's becoming civilized, like end of the 19th, start of the 20th century, but also there are demons, and people know about these demons, 
and it's just a common part of life and it's just a really cool world building that they do with that uh but then also like the storytelling is really well paced like sometimes you'll just get quick one-shot stories sometimes they'll extend out to three or four but no story ever really feels like it overextends its welcome Mm -hmm. like you don't just get plots that are drawn out 20 episodes to fill the storyline now mind you there's only 26 episodes so or 24 episodes whatever they're at right now so that could still happen but some of the stuff they do with the animation and the storytelling is so amazing like just the episode where he's fighting the demon who uh, shifts the house whenever he strikes the drums he's got on his side Mm -hmm. Just the stuff they do visually where it's just, um, where Tanjiro's just tumbling through the house, not knowing where to go. Because whenever he gets close, all of a sudden he's just zapped to another part of the building. Or, like, the end of the season where you get the meeting of the 12 high demons uh, and their leader. It's just, visually, a lot of cool stuff going on here. And so, it's just, it feels like the perfect show to me right now. And, like... Maybe it's just because of there's a little bit of recency bias, but like of the past ten years, that's like top of my list right now. Um. So as somebody who's reading the manga, I pray every day that <laughs> Ufo Table will do the entire series because it doesn't let up. It has continued to stay good. The mm-hmm. manga is reaching the end right now, mm-hmm. which is kind of. It's weird being in that place where a manga is reaching the end, but the show is just kind of getting started. Mm-hmm. And the movie's coming out, and the movie that arc is going to be really cool, and I think it's the perfect one to do a movie about. Um, and I'm really wondering where it's going to end off, because there's something uh, interesting that's going to happen. But they, I think the end of the show just introduced the Har... What was it? The Harshama? The... What is the name of the group of the greatest demon slayers? Oh, yeah, yeah. The Hari Shaman. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember the exact pronunciation. Yeah. But the top seven that have yeah. their own super yeah. techniques, yeah. They they are all very interesting the in pillars. their own ways, and they all are going to become a pretty big part of the show, mm. um, even though they just got introduced. So, um, yeah, Demon Slayer, I think if people weren't a fan of Demon Slayer or they were on the fence. The episode where he fights the spider yeah. demon oh, yeah. pushed everybody over the edge because it's just like people who stuck... <laughs> it, so it was literally a master class oh of like, how do, uh, how do you cut a scene? How do you create an action scene? How do you integrate music into a scene? Mm-hmm. How do you integrate a flashback into a scene? Like, oh, man. that was yeah. just kind of like... People will talk about that part of the show forever, and it really interests me to see there's going to be there's huge events that happen in Demon Slayer they haven't got to, and if they're able to use those techniques on some other parts that are going to be coming up, it I think it's going to be a show that people will remember forever. Nice. Um, the the thing about Demon Slayer, um, it doesn't it doesn't do anything different, but what it does is it executes everything. Perfectly. Exactly. It, it, it nails it's, it. It's like Toradora, where yeah. it's like just perfect as is. Yeah, that's the thing Toradora. is like, yeah. you don't always have to reinvent the mm-hmm. wheel. Like, sometimes you can just take the wheel and like take all the points of it and just make it perfect. Mm-hmm. And like, and that's what you think of. Like, when I think of a perfect Shonen series, I always think of Hunter Hunter. Um, and like, to me, like, that's like perfect, but like Demon Slayer is super close. And I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast, but I recently read an article about when uh, Demon Slayer first went into Shonen Jump, it didn't do very well. Um, and it almost got pulled because some manga will get pulled if it doesn't get mm-hmm. enough viewers. And the one that the person that came to the rescue for Demon Slayer was the creator of Hunter x Hunter. 
that oh, said, yes, yeah. I really like this. You should mm -hmm. keep it in here. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be something. And it's just kind of cool that, like, to me, like, the two pillars of, like, what shonen, like, action, like, to me, like, the assassination classroom is not, like, shonen action. It's a different kind of yeah, shonen style. Yeah, it, it touches it. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. but like, solid. perfect shonen action. Like, mm. My Hero Academia is a, a huge, like, popular thing. I'm so happy for it. It is a good show. But there are parts of that show, to me, that are kind of dragged a yeah, little bit. Little um, bit. But, like, Demon Slayer, like, so far has been really good. And like you said, Chris, like, it doesn't, like, we're going to put a whole season on training. Like, yeah. it was, like, he was all trained and ready to go and left for, like, three episodes. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they yeah. Expanded, like, like, yes. Yeah, the first six episodes, they span, like, four or five years. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, like, not, yes. they're not going to mess around filler. We're just going to get going. We've got good parts of the story to get to, yeah. guys. So, yeah, Demon Slayer is a really good choice. It'll be really interesting to see how big it is. Like, um, the fact that, like, it's, like culturally how big it is already mm -hmm. um i'm very excited to see the movie come to the theaters and see it sell out because yeah. i really feel like it's gonna yeah happen. i was about to say it started running on toonami i believe mm -hmm. you know, so that's gonna get a lot of exposure yep. for it yeah so number one from chris is demon slayer will what is your number one I really, really, really like Masaki Yuasa. <laughs> I think we have the same number one. So, uh, no, I need to. First off, I need. Uh, I need to apologize for Devil Man Cry Baby because I haven't seen it yet. Okay, we don't uh, have the same number. Yeah, I need. I haven't seen it yet. But if I was, I would hazard a guess. It would make my top three to anime of the decade because my number one anime of the decade. It's the Tommy Galaxy. Uh -huh. Oh man, just what a what a. This is what I watch anime for. This is something that I could never, an art style I could never see outside of anime, outside of any anime industry. A story I could probably never see outside the anime industry. Told in a way I could never see outside the anime industry. It's just a great show. Uh, for those who don't know, it's set in a college. And it's about this guy who's like a senior, and he feel like, feels like he's wasted his college, and he really wanted that rosy college life that everybody keeps talking about. So he is somehow able to gain this ability to go back to his very first year in college and try and change, try and change things to make it that rosy campus life he's always wanted. But the, but the great thing about it is that the college is absolutely nuts. Like, what's great about this is that not only is that there's just all these different clubs that he gets to try out, and you get anything from, like, the aviation club to the movie club that's really just, <laughs> it's really just, like, a, people trying to get es expose pieces about all the different members in the, in the club. <laughs> and it's just, you really get a sense that the college is lived in, and with all these great characters that keep popping up they're they're just really colorful and you really feel like you get to know them the protagonist is is great uh you get to relate to him because there's just he gets to experience some things that you probably experienced when you were in college but he's also like super over analytical and like goes off on these crazy tangents and monologues that can last for like minutes but they're so like visually compelling that you just can't help but help but just keep keep yourself interested. Like there's all these different visual metaphors Yuasa is able to pull out to to make things just like not just cool to look at but also really funny. 
Uh, there's this quote unquote character named Johnny who's a cat who's a cowboy who's supposed to look who's supposed to look like Woody, and he's just this fantastic <laughs> metaphor for that is able to set up all of these great visual gags that I just couldn't I just. I don't know. I was just always goo goo <laughs> and gaga and over the show, and it's just it's just something that everybody needs to check out. Check out at least once in their life. See if it's their thing. So I think the Tatami Galaxy has had a, a real resurgence because Funimation finally released it physically. It took uh-huh. so long. It took a very long time. Uh, the creator, the actual writer of Tatami Galaxy, has done a lot of stuff that some of you might have already seen. Uh, the Night of Short Walk On mm-hmm. Girl, mm-hmm. which takes place in the same universe as the Tatami Galaxy. Yeah, there's cameos too. Yeah. 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 Uh, the Eccentric <laughs> Family, which I know me and Quinn have gushed over. I love the Eccentric Family. Um, Penguin Highway, which love was it. what an amazing, amazing oh, yeah. movie. Um, so like this creator makes great stuff and then you uh integrate an amazing director and studio madhouse uh with like all three of these is the perfect potion of a great show like Mm -hmm. it's amazing that something got made like this i always remember trying to show somebody this and the first episode is just like (laughs) (laughs) and you can't even follow the subtitles and like that i it turns it probably turns so many people off and it's so unfortunate because it is a really good yeah. show and I, I did have to like I was like oh I gotta watch that again because I think I missed like <laughs> half of actually what was being said and uh, I had I'm usually a speed reader on the subtitles and yeah. can't keep up I can't even keep up but with that's that what's thing. so great is that oh really is, it really is, helps illustrate how the main character is so over analytical <laughs> and like so yeah. melodramatic about everything yeah True. no it, it's it's an awesome series at the Tommy Galaxy and uh yeah, it's in our holiday sale as well. Mm-hmm. I really recommend it. Um, so, my number one <laughs> is... My wonder. Uh, so, a little background on mine. So, I I, my, I grew up with the Toonami stuff, and I really didn't get into anime anime until I was in college. I had an English course that actually one of the books we read was Neon Genesis Evangelion, the manga was actually one of the curriculum. Love and, kind of courses. And I just, I was like, why are we reading a manga? So the English course had to do with, I want to say the kind of focus of it was existentialism. Mm. Like existing, who are we are, what we are, um, and that whole idea. And that kind of turned me back on to anime in a different form and medium. Because before then, it was a lot of like cool action shows. Like I think like the, the, the coolest thing I thought, like the most like, uh, how would I put it? Like, avant-garde thing I had seen at that point was Full Metal Alchemist. That's not. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but like, yeah, I, I was in film school. I was watching a lot of films. And I had never seen anything. And I finally saw the Angelus Evangelion. I read the manga. I really liked it. The professor like said you, you should watch the anime. Please make sure you watch the end of Evangelion too. And <laughs> didn't know what that meant until I finally watched it. And I was like, oh my god. Uh, and then Evangelion became, like, my favorite thing of all time. Um, so I've never – I haven't had the feelings I had uh, of watching Evangelion until I saw Double Man Cry Baby in 2018. Uh, up until that point, I think, like, a lot of the, you know, made-for-Netflix, exclusive Netflix anime stuff was, like, you know, it was okay. Um, but, like, nothing had ever blown me away. And this kind of just – 
trickled into the new year in 2018. Like, all of a sudden, Devil May Cray Baby was up. And it hadn't, like, appeared, like, a lot of Netflix stuff now, it's like, Beastars is airing, mm-hmm. but we're not going to get to see it until months later, so we're mm-hmm. still able to kind of hear what people are saying about it. Like, Devil May Cry Baby kind of came out at the same time for everyone. So it was kind of a discovery. Uh, I watched the entire series when it came up for streaming that Friday in a day. And then the Saturday... <laughs> I had plans to do something and I canceled it and I rewatched the entire series the second time. That is dedication. Um, so this is another Uasa thing. Uh, it is very, very, very closely uh, based off of the Gona Guy Devil Man manga. Like there, there's a lot of points. Like there's a lot of modernization. You know, there's cell phones in it. There's the technology, the internet, and stuff like that. Um, and you know, there's some very outlandish, crazy uh, club scenes that happen in the very beginning of the show. Um, but it is just so, I visually, I've never seen anything like it. Like I saw Tatami Galaxy, but this thing just like pushed like the limits on like what can do animation. Like there were uh, YouTube videos of people trying to run like uh, Akira, uh, Akira, um, where he tries to run in a really crazy way where he almost looks like he's a spider monkey or something. Like that. <laughs> and like, I think some people might've been turned off by that. And if we weren't turned off by that they were turned off by the unbelievable violence that was in this. There is a scene in the beginning where he does finally get his powers to become Devil Man, which Devil Man is uh, a mixture of Amon, who's a demon, but uh, Akira is able to still keep his human soul. So he, like the crybaby thing, you'll notice a lot in it. He will just he will start crying. Like he he cares about, you know, he cares about humans. He cares about demons. Uh, he cares about everybody. There's a scene in the beginning too where they. He finds uh, him and Rio, who Rio is uh, um, kind of his best friend, but also his rival, because their way of thinking is complete opposites, which makes complete sense when you get to the end and you figure out who Rio really is. Um, but uh, Akira finds like a kitten who's di- who dying and is trying to do everything to save it and stuff like that. And Rio is like, it's, de- it's already dead. Why does it even matter? Blah, blah, blah. And like those two parallels are just kind of they're done so absolutely well um the other thing i really love about the show is it just takes a lot of points of things we're kind of dealing with now like we are still a society that is swayed by superstition and witch hunts um that we don't look at the facts of things we don't look at the truth we look at things that um we find these like idols and whatever the idols say are gospel and this show really deals with those ideas that just because these demons are different um they're not they're not bad people and they're driven to be bad because of what the society thrust on them they try to kill them and stuff like that and it's just really really heartbreaking the ending to this show is just kind of reminds me of just like this the chaos of like the end of evangelion too it's it's very insane um it leaves you with a lot to chew on and that kind of stuff um i i I don't know what else I can say about this series. This show means a lot to me. Um, I actually, coming back to doing the, my list, I actually rewatched all Devil May Cry Bay, which is the fifth time I've watched that show. I don't think I've watched, yep. other than a movie because of film school, I've never watched anything five times, but I've watched Devil May Cry Baby five times. And each time I find something uh, more. The the girl that he kind of, I can't remember her name, Mai, I think her name, Amari or something, but it is. Um, 
her character is kind of a side character in the manga, and they really develop her character too. Um, it's kind of cool how they have a play on social media when they start attacking all the demons and telling them to destroy them and find them and hunt them down, that she tries to like get on social media and be like, these, these are people too, we need to care about them. And she's hunted down because of it, and she's, there's, she's a human. And just because she spoke up and said, like, there's something very wrong going on here, she's hunted down for it. Um, yeah, it doesn't make a great baby. Uh, I just, and the soundtrack... Oh, the soundtrack is so good. <laughs> the, I, I still remember uh, watching it and turning my sound system all the way up when they get on the motorcycle together, and they they did an awesome cover of the original opening Devilman theme in like a more modernized, like I don't want to say it's like techno style uh, opening, but all the music is great in it. Uh, the visuals are great. Um, yeah, Devilman Cry Baby. Please, Anaplex. If somebody from <laughs> Anaplex is listening to this podcast, release it in physical. I have imported it from Japan, um, but I would love to own a physical copy over here as well. And for those who may not have Netflix and don't stream, um, it would be great for them to have some way to purchase this and watch it. Because there's nothing in the last 10 years, I think, that was like Devil May Cry Baby. So that's my number one. He's watched it five times. I've watched it five times. <laughs> yes. So... Um, so yeah, you also was on this list three times, <laughs> and one was on the list twice. So that's pretty. That's pretty funny. So, but those are our top five of the mm-hmm. decade. We'll see what the 2020s have in store for us as well. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm really glad that decades only come around once every ten years because <laughs> narrowing down my list sucked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it. I think from the get-go, I don't know about everybody else, I knew what my number one was going to be from the, the the minute. I stared at this list so long, and mm-hmm. I hack and slashed it. It was horrible. It's only because I've been working on a ranking, all-time anime rankings, that I was able to put this off so quickly. Ah! <laughs> and <laughs> I've been doing finished. it for like the past like two years. No. <laughs> When I started my list, I was just like, five, four, three, two, one, double man cry, baby. That was literally what I did. I was like, well, I know what number one's going to be. So, um, well, we got, I think we're going to try to just quickly give a recommendation of a manga. Um, we don't, unfortunately, have all the podcast time in the so world. prepared for this. Um, no, we're just going to throw it out there. Um, oh. If you had to recommend a manga from the last 10 years that you would want somebody to read. Um, Quinn, we could start with you last. Yes, please. Chris, I'm you not know, ready for this. Not ready either. Okay. Um, just one. Just one. Just and it doesn't. Have, oh, it's God. not your favorite. Just like one that you wish. Like uh, I don't know if they started oh. in uh, the the decade, but the Gundam the Origin hardcovers oh, are so good. absolutely amazing. Yeah. I, I, think, I think they actually started back in like oh two oh three because I remember Viz was actually well, putting Viz out like tried to uh-huh. yeah, but then they like stopped and Viz yeah. was like we're gonna oh, we're gonna bring this in hardcover baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I those, had the first one sitting around somewhere in my back issue. Box. Those are in our holiday sale. Mm-hmm. I do recommend you pick them up. They are the they are expensive because of how much they are hardcover and they are nice. Oh, but the paper quality is oh, so yeah. good. Yeah, they look. Nice. Damn good on a shelf too. <laughs> um, I, I've already uh, mentioned Two Year Eternity. I actually really think that's one that people should read. Um, does anybody have anything they want to throw out? Read Eminon. Eminon. Oh yes, from it's, Dark Horse. It's, yeah. yeah, from Dark Horse. It's only three volumes. That's literally all there is. Uh-huh. All there is of the series. Uh, they're just these great adaptions of these uh, sci-fi short stories. 
It's totally worth checking out. It will mm. probably give you an existential crisis, but it's for the best. <laughs> yeah. We could throw out there, like, we actually talked about in the podcast a few months back. Like, go back and read Astro um, Lost in Space yeah, if you haven't Astros, done that yet. Yeah, that was such a great what? read yeah, together. Read, so. the, read the manga, watch the anime. The and listen to the episode we did where we talked about the whole dang thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't need to be your favorite thing, Quinn. Just throw some, <laughs> I know you read a lot of manga. Just throw some titles <laughs> out there. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> I'm only on volume five because that's all I own currently. Six mm-hmm. just came out this month. The Case Study of Vanitas. Um, it is by the same author who did Pandora Hearts. And so far it is really deep. It's got great characters that are set in like a steampunk Victorian time, but they are also vampires, but not in the sense of what you're usually seeing with vampires who suck blood. They have that urge, but it's got more depth to it and there's also Vanitas himself who is an enigma at the moment like you don't know who he is the background that he brings and you've got a crazy like priest who hates all vampires until he meets the main character who I'm blanking on his name as you can tell all our entire (laughs) group here is terrible with names apparently Uh, but it's like the dynamics that have been built up this far are really great and I love the artwork it's so detailed and it's it's a very believable world and Vanitas is just that enigma that keeps drawing me in and I sat down and read all five volumes in like an afternoon and wanted more I don't have volume six I need volume six and it's still ongoing this is the worst Mm -hmm. part but that is the one that jumps to my mind right off the bat I'd like to throw out Blue Exorcist too because the the series is great mm-hmm. and I've gotten about to the same point a little past where the second season of the anime stops mm-hmm. so I don't know what goes on before because I don't like to read each volume as it releases I read them in chunks um, and then another personal favorite is O Seven Ghost or Seven Ghost I'm not sure how to pronounce <laughs> this because it's a zero it's a seven a dash and ghost mm-hmm. um, that one is finished and it concludes I can't think of how else it should conclude. It's one of those where you're like, is th- this is my ending, but it works, but I want more, but it ends. And I just, I, I like the play that it does on re- religion and kind of the commentary it makes without being directly, hey, this is this religious belief, this is this religious belief, and why everybody is butting heads. They just, they do the overall story very well. Um, they, it does have an anime, but it, it like stops when it's obvious that they're going off to another arc of the story. Uh, it, it continues on in the, the manga, and I love it too. So yeah, there, there. I said three. I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm just gonna do my typical read Vinland Saga. Um, <laughs> Been reading that too. It is good. Yes, and continue to watch the show. Which, as of today, the rumor is there will be a second season. So <laughs> very awesome. Um, so. Speaking of best of the decade, uh, we are going to be working on a video. Uh, we're going to have like a war room kind of setting where we <laughs> are going to get together with a couple different individuals in a room, and we're going to tape uh, a discussion of us coming up with a top 25 list of a couple different people who work here. Um, hopefully a passionate discussion. Yes. Uh, and not a lot of like threats will be had <laughs> of people who don't get their shows on there. Um, I've only got a couple people that have put some stuff forward to me, but there is already stuff that is already intersecting, so it should make it a little bit easier, but I think it'll be kind of fun to 
see uh, a group of people that are all anime fans get together and have to come up with a list of 25 Mm -hmm. uh, for the decade that will be fun. And I think that will be posted on our Right Stuff YouTube channel once that is all done. Maybe we should grab some body pillows from the warehouse so we can fight out our anger (laughs) peacefully without actually hurting somebody. I think it'll be a fun time. Um, And then uh, by the time this is airing, it is the last week of our holiday sale. so, if you haven't had a chance to pick anything up... <laughs> You're opening is, your wallets and moths are flying out. Yeah. We're sorry. Yes. and uh, But we still need more. Holiday week three, the fifth week of our, our sale. So, uh, Saturday will be the last day of the sale. Um, and we will be bringing back for what we have in stock, the mega deals that we've had as well. Mm-hmm. And the Viz Weekly specials will mm-hmm. all be back as well. So, if you missed Junji Ito week one... That'll be back, so make sure you grab that. I know we have a lot of shoppers out there that kind of wait for that last day yeah. um, and just do one big buy because um, we pack your packages, and I can Giant tell. orders. Yeah, I can tell when I'm packing 80 items in there that they waited till the very end. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just make sure you check out the sale. It's going to be ending this Saturday. Um, and then other than that, um, we just want to wish you guys happy holidays. Uh, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. And Thanks for putting up with our long breaks. Yes. No warning. I'm, wait, I'm waiting for some emails to come in to people who disagree that I can't believe you left off this and I can't believe you left off that. <laughs> that's why I iterated that this is our personal list. Yep. Um, if you want to disagree with us, you can disagree on our YouTube channel <laughs> with our top 25 then. So yeah. uh, I think that would be a good avenue there. But we just want to thank everybody who has come to the site this year. Um, even if you haven't purchased anything, if you checked us out, um, you know, we love the feedback that you give us, um, you know, either through, you know, our YouTube channel, uh, our email, uh, rspodcast at writestuff.com, uh, the awesome Christmas cards we get sent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do oh, yeah. read those and we do really appreciate them and the yep. sweet notes that you leave for us on uh, Facebook and Twitter as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, 2019 has been a great year, uh, here at Write Stuff and it's because of you guys. So mm-hmm. we really appreciate it. So with that. We will leave you, and next time we join you, I don't know what we'll discuss. No. I don't think how anything can top what we've just done. (laughs) (laughs) So, have a great holiday, everybody. Happy holidays. Yeah, take it easy, folks. Have a great time out there. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Right Stuff Anime. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your questions or comments to rspodcast at brightstuff.com and we might just answer them in a future episode. That's rspodcast at brightstuff.com.